Welcome to Stories That Stick. I love crime books. So I love reading stuff that was just kind of told you what people were. So crime is about what we really want to do. A podcast series about the stories that shape us. A young gay boy from Wyoming was beaten up and left for dead. And I remember just crying my eyes out. And it was the first time that I understood that my gayness meant danger. When all is said and done. I'm not here to be playing no games when it comes to that racial shit. I am for my people and that's it, period. It is only the stories that matter. Suddenly Nelson Mandela walked through and he said, I haven't heard a baby cry in like 28 years. And he was like, can I hold your baby? And mum was like, of course. And he said, your baby is the future of the world. Hey guys, it's Ade here, your host for Stories That Stick. Now, today's episode is going to be the last episode of our Best Off series. Well, it'll bring you up to date, basically, to the last full episode with Amber Medley. And I say this to say that the next episode will be back to our regular interviews with the amazing black changemakers within our community. And if you're one of these amazing individuals, and I'm sure you are, then please do hit us up if you'd like to be featured on the podcast. Our details can be found in the show notes or alternatively, since we do have you listening, it's contact at blackticulate.com or slide into our DMs at blackticulate across all social media platforms. Now, let's get on with the show. Episode 28, we have Jay Blades, a furniture restorer who's best known for being a TV presenter for the BBC hit show The Repair Shop. Jay was doing a promo run for his latest autobiography book when he stopped by to Stories That Stick podcast. His autobiography book is called Making It, How Love, Kindness and Community Helped Repair My Life. And the clip I'm about to play is the first time Jay experienced racism in secondary school and more to the point, who was around to help him. Secondary school was when you first came into contact with racism. Yeah. When I went to secondary school, I never knew certain names. I grew up in a council estate, black, white, Chinese, Asian, we're all together. The only thing we had in common was that we're poor. That's it. No one called no one a name. No one took the mickey out of no one. So when I go to secondary school and I get called these names, and I'm like, okay, those are names of endearment. They're being nice to me. Okay, new kid on the block. Nice, nice. So then I bring those names back to the hood and I start calling my friends that. And my friends are like, well, well hold on. Who are you calling that? Don't you know you're that as well? I said, yeah, that's what they call me at school. And he's like, no, 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 that's not right. Those are racist names. As a matter of fact, I'm coming to your school tomorrow. Point out these people that are calling you those names. So then they're pointing them out. I said, there he is. That one, this one, this one. And he beat all of them up. And he beat them up. I didn't realize he doesn't go to my school. So he won't be back there the next day to defend me. I had to defend it myself. But you became very good to the point that you, you started having a rep, right? Yeah. Can I ask, though, in all of this? Because, yeah, <laughs> because... Yeah. Unfortunately, it is just, you know, part and parcel when you grow up in certain neighborhoods that you have to, by just nature of survival, become quite good with your feet and your hands, right? Feet to run away, hands if you're back to a corner. But where was your mum in all of this? Because you never really hear where the adults are in these narratives. I think, especially for me, I would say growing up, my mum was young when she had me, 18. 
I never hold anything against my mum because at the end of the day, she looked after me with the best of her abilities of what she could do at that particular time. But one of the things I was when I was a young kid, I was quite shy. So no one really knew what was going on with me. I wouldn't really talk that much. Yeah, I was quite withdrawn. Like a lot of people used to think, well, there's something wrong with him, you know, because he don't really speak that much. But when I was out on the street, I had a great time. I had loads of friends, loads of activities was going on. So I remember my mum going to school and saying to the head teacher, if he gives you any trouble, just discipline him. Don't call me back up here again. Like that's the way she dealt with it. It was like, cool. But she didn't know that those teachers had a license to, woo, <laughs> they, they were different. They were, they were different, Reggie. I'm telling you that there was a guy, Mr. Trimble, who had these old plimpsoles. They were black with a rubber sole and had elastic on the top. He took off the material and he used to beat you with just the sole. So you go and see Mr. Trimble now. And that, <laughs> but no, my man enjoyed it too much. Yeah, speaking of beats, literally like the beat and just the race relations and attention during this era. The 80s, yeah. Now, the next clip I'm about to play is about money and purpose because the truth of the matter, I often find myself questioning where is my purpose? and if what I'm doing truly does positively serve our community at large. So help us out then. Now, are we thinking that we've got purpose? And all this while, was money never... Because it doesn't seem like money is your driver. It doesn't seem no. like you'd care much for money. I don't even care about money now. Oh, uh, really? Money will come, that ain't a problem. But your purpose, your actual legacy or your direction, that's more important. So when I used to speak to young people and I'm doing community work with them, I said, you don't have to be an MC. You don't have to be this type of person to make it. You could be a manager. You could be the accountant. You could be the person that deals with the finance behind the actual camera. That means that you have got a strategic way of making sure that you're economically independent. And that's one of the biggest things that we need to instill in the youth. I think Getz, I listen to Getz a lot, and Getz put it like this, that he don't hear other rock stars or whatever comparing numbers or acting in a certain way with each other, always fighting. I grew up with reggae. And when I grew up with reggae, reggae is very uplifting. I listen to people like Alton Ellis, John Holt, Bob Marley. When you listen to these guys' words, they're not talking about belittling each other. They're talking about uplifting. So where have we gone wrong? And it's not where we've gone wrong. For me, it's who you're listening to, right. who you allow to control your narrative. If they're controlling your narrative, they will allow you to say things that will fit their narrative of the stereotypical role that you're supposed to fit into. Sorry, that's not me. I'm not doing no, that. No, for sure. That's yeah. why it's important to have you in the limelight. And I'm really grateful for you even choosing our podcast, a very small podcast to even be featured on because you believe and you know it to be important. So I'm here for that. It's very important. Your, your podcast might be small, but at the end of the day, it's a very important podcast. I want people to understand that no matter how small a podcast is, no matter how small an organization is, they have a dream that they're trying to achieve. And the only way sometimes they can achieve it is by people stepping back and coming back to those organizations. You should be able to reach out to all of these celebrities. And if they have a heart, if they have the community at their kind of fundamental, they should step back to you. Full stop. I don't care. I heard so many stories where certain individuals have made it. And certain people know those people. They've reached out. They never look back. Not me, man. No, I appreciate that, Jay. I truly do. Yeah. Well, then let's get into how you're doing it. But I think we need to just tie some more 
like well you need to join a couple more dots to really get you into where we find you sitting because a lot of us would know you more for being on tv please do go listen to the full interview it is episode 28 and also do go show some support to jay by buying his book and or following him on instagram at jbladesmbe now next up episode 29 with okbayemi who's a co-author of the book Twice as Hard, Navigating Black Stereotypes and Creating Space for Success. The clip I'm about to play highlights the importance of having external industry professionals enter schools to share their personal experience within their respective trade. Because the truth of the matter is, we don't know what we can be if we don't see it ahead of us. Here's the clip. For sure, because I think towards the end of year nine is what GCSEs and they start telling you, you have to start thinking about career, right? And the subjects that go with the career path you hope to go down. Yeah. Were you thinking about career? I was thinking about career. I remember I must have been in year 10, I think. Um, And in our maths class, we had these two traders come in from a small um, investment bank. I actually don't even remember the name of the bank, but they shared about their experiences and the fact that they work in the city and why maths is so important um, and the fact that they make a lot of money. And I remember sitting in that class thinking, I'm going to work in that industry. Like when I finish and when I start working, (laughs) that's what I'm going to do. And I still am in touch with my form tutor, the Nigerian teacher till this day. And so I say to him, even today, it's so important to get people from industry in front of students. So I was thinking about careers. I was thinking about what I wanted to yeah. do at, at that age. I love that. And were you always quite academic? In some ways, I guess I would say yes. I've always wanted to do well. When I was predicted my GCSE grades, my predictions weren't great. Just out of curiosity, do you recall? What were they? <laughs> oh, <laughs> okay. <laughs> I would say they weren't A stars and A's. That's how I'll put it. So they weren't A stars and A's or even many B's, to be honest. They weren't great. And so so I recognise that I'm not the smartest. I'm definitely not. But I, I'm someone that has to apply myself to get the results yeah. I'm looking for. Yeah, I hear you. But it's actually really funny then. So this application, especially the fact that your book is called Twice As Hard, was that a conversation that you ever had with... Now, the following clip I'm about to play is one of Okbayemi's favourite films and why it had an impact on her life. You know, I loved Coach Carter. And when you look at that story, you see a man who comes into a situation where, like, the school is failing. Good afternoon, young man. Are you some preacher man? The students aren't at their best. They're not performing in the way that they could. But still, in the midst of all that mess, he sees potential. Teachers ain't supposed to touch students. I'm not a teacher. I'm the new basketball coach. And even when he tries to strengthen that potential, when he tries to like push his students to their best, others who should be in support of what he's doing are actually trying to block it, but he continues. And again, you start to see the fruits of his hard work. I love those stories where you're like, they've gone through the rough stage and then they turn their life around and they're hopeful and, you know, it's great, right? And so I remember watching that and that really resonated with me, like growing up, just seeing like, like somebody come into something that's a bad situation and turn it around. Beautiful listeners, please do go check out the full interview. It's episode 29. 
and also do go buy the book twice as hard. And if you want to know what else Okbayemi gets up to because she's a boss lady, do follow her on Instagram. Her Instagram account is Okbayemi, which is spelled O-P-E-Y-E-M-I dot Sofoluke. Now that is spelled S-O-F-O-L-U-K-E. Okay, guys, so next up, we have episode 30 with Elliot Ray, who's the founder for Music Football Fatherhood, which is a platform for dads who want an open conversation about fatherhood. Elliot had a self-funded book that curated the stories of fatherhood within our community, and it was a pleasure to interview him on how it all came about. That being said, the clip I'm about to play is Elliot being candid that he did not display any special talents whilst at school, and in spite of all of that, he still managed to build a very successful platform today. Here's the clip. And there often is that one tutor who, who sees a talent in you and mm. says, you know what, Elliot, you should pursue this. Was there anyone for you like that? Sadly, no. It, I don't say it. <laughs> no. I feel like people would be surprised to see the stuff I'm doing now because I don't think I showed that at school. But I don't think I displayed any signs of being able to do something out of the ordinary at that age, really. Um, yeah, through my A-levels, I didn't, you know, we, we, we would just have a good time, man. Like, literally, I didn't. I, I stopped working. <laughs> at this age now, you're legally able to do a lot of things. I had a good time. <laughs> I hear that. And obviously, distractions, women, romance, love. All of that. that. Yeah, I hear you. All of that, man. But, but you weren't coasting as such. I mean, because I don't want to paint that picture. It sounds mm -hmm. like you were just coasting along. You were still intentional with potentially what you wanted to do as a career. Or were you not? Because you have to, forgive me, I don't have to say because you have to. No one has to do anything. But you're normally advised to certainly start looking at subjects that go together with your career ambition. So what were you picking and what was the intention? So this is... This is where I feel like more needs to be done, really, because I didn't know what I wanted to do. And I don't feel like I had a decent conversation with anyone about what are your strengths? Forget subject matter in school. What are your strengths as, as a person? And how can you put that into some kind of career? I didn't really have that conversation. It was more like, I'm good at PE. Let's do PE at A-level. Economics, I'm interested in that. I was quite good at maths. Let's do that. And then media. I liked media studies. I liked film. So music. So let's do media. So at A-level, I did P economics and media studies. A whole bunch of just free random things, right? There's, there's no kind of, there's no path there at all. It's just like, what do you kind of want to do? You know, um, there was no plan, really. And I think one thing I say, I've got a daughter now, is that I want to be able to help her to understand her strengths and think about what can you then go and do with those strengths and monetize that. So I did my A-levels, I got three C's. And then, yeah, I, I, I applied to go to Roehampton University and went to Roehampton. But I think at this point, the music bug had hit me. Right. So I started emceeing to Garage at the ages of 16. And when I was 17, I got a pair of decks and I was buying like rap. I was buying UK Garage and just mixing. Now for regular listeners, you'll know that I tend to ask all my guests prior to recording to submit one of their funnest stories they read, watched, heard as a child, teenager and adult. And Elliot's response was very interesting. And to be honest, not surprising. 
Here's the clip. And you said Eric Cantona lob. Yeah. Why was that moment particularly impactful on your life? And you know, if you can paint the pictures, give us an overview on what was going on prior to that specific special moment. For me, like football was just everything. You know, escapism. It was competition. You know, watching a football game to me was like a blockbuster film. And at that time. So we're talking like 1992, maybe Eric Cantona was at Man United, and he was like one of the first foreign players in the Premier League. And he used to always wear his collar up, so most players would have their collar down, and he'd have his collar up. And there was a game. I think they were playing Southampton. But yeah, he got the ball just outside the box, and he seemed to look up and just chipped it straight into the corner and then turned around, stood like this, and I was just like, no, this is it. And so for me, that was that was a, an, an amazing moment. And I think from a football-loving kid, that kind of um, gave me like encouragement. I was inspired. I would wear my collar up and pretend I was Eric Cantona, you know. So that was just like a massive moment in my life that had a massive impact on just you know who I was. Now, guys, you already know what I'm about to say. Please do go buy the book. Do go support Elliot in any way you can, and even if that's just simply by following him on Instagram. His account is at I am Elliot Ray, and that is spelled I am. So I A M Elliot is E double L I O double T R A E, and yeah, do go check him out and see all the fantastic work he's doing. Now, last up, we have episode thirty-one. Amber Medland, the author of Wild Pets, or the debut author or debut book—not too sure how you'd say it—of Wild Pets, which is a story that follows three graduates entering the real world in a time of Trump and Me Too. The first clip I'm about to play highlights how there's no one way to get a publishing deal, nor to begin writing. What's the strategy here? What I had always been told is that what happens is you get you get something published and then someone notices it and then you approach an agent and say, "I've got the short story published." Mm. Unfortunately, I did not get any short stories published. So oh. there's, there's a website <laughs> called Submittable where you like you submit things. I also my strategy was crap. I was entering all these competitions that have like massive prizes, but also I wanted to feel like I was achieving things, so I just kept entering, and they all have entrance fees and it's yeah it's just not a smart way of doing it um and then culmination of all of this is that at the end of say 2017 i was at a party and it was like an after party at this point and someone started talking about stendhal and the salt mines of salzburg and i just had one of those moments where i was mesmerized by what she was saying stendhal had this metaphor in a book called on love where if you throw a twig into the salt mines of Salzburg, all these uh, like crystals cluster around it and the twig is transformed. And then over time, all those crystals fall away. But so from then, that's when I then started writing Wild Pets because I think I'd been mentally getting ready to be writing. And then that was just the spark that made everything. Uh, yeah, from then on, I was there. Now, the next clip I'm about to play is one of many stories that made an impact on Amber. And here's the clip. I went with the Wolves of Willoughby Chase. I had a massive list and I decided yeah. to, to go for that one. 
<laughs> I can imagine if you're continuously reading. So why did you go for the wolves of Willoughby Chase? What was it about this story? And for those of us who haven't heard the story, do you mind giving us a synopsis and overview and why it made yeah. an impact on your life in this decade? So it's by Joan Aiken and it's about two little girls called Sylvia and Bonnie and Sylvia is an orphan, Bonnie is not and Sylvia is very like shy and meek and Bonnie's very boisterous and also like comes from a really rich family and has she just has everything and Sylvia goes to live with them. After that it's just kind of an adventure. They the, the governess stages a thing where she makes it seem as if Bonnie's parents have been killed at sea and so they're both orphans and then they go on the run together and it's just it's it's a lot of adventure. Nah, amazing. And why did it have an impact on you? Do you know if you're looking at it in with adult eyes? Yeah, I mean, it's one of the ones that I find myself rereading whenever I'm home, which is one of the reasons I chose it. It's just intensely comforting. I think okay. female friendships, I love, I love those friendships. Um, and so I think maybe they were an early, an early prototype for that. Okay, guys, so you know what I'm going to say. Do go and buy her book. It's called Wild Pet and it's amazing. Also, do follow her on Twitter at Amber Medlen, M-E-D-L-A-N-D. Okay, so that's all we have for today's episode, but please do check out the full episodes of each guest. And yeah, let me give you some personal news, guys. I wasn't going to do this, but I think it's actually best that I do. I'm about to undertake a post-grad course, and therefore I do believe my time will become particularly busy, especially during the beginning of the course in October. So there won't be any new episodes during that month. And the truth of the matter is that there might not be any in November. That being said, and I have been thinking longer hard about this, perhaps it might be time to have a new host. So if you'd like to be considered, do let us know by dropping us an email on contact at blacktickulate.com with the subject line, new host for Stories That Stick podcast. Because I think it'll be quite nice to actually have someone brand new fronting this. Just a thought. Let me know what you guys think. And as always, you guys are the best. And hopefully we'll see you in a month's time. Take care. Bye. If you enjoyed today's episode, please do share it. And if you'd like to be featured on the podcast, please do get in touch.